Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This morning, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, St. Luke gives us a glimpse into the life of the apostolic church, the church in its earliest days when the apostles themselves led it. For the last few Sundays, we have been reading here in worship the first recorded sermon by the apostle Peter that's in the book of Acts. The apostle Peter, along with the other apostles and disciples, had been praying nonstop in a house since the ascension of Jesus. After nine days of prayer, the Holy Spirit descends on this house where they all are, fills the hearts and minds of the apostles, the church is birthed, and her mission begins in earnest. Peter, he leaves that house on the day of Pentecost, it's a Jewish festival as well, remembering God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. The Jewish festival of Pentecost, also the first pilgrimage for the Jewish faithful after Passover. So on that day... Pentecost, Peter steps out of the house filled with the Holy Spirit. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of pilgrims mulling about Jerusalem. Peter boldly stands on a rooftop, preaches to a huge gathered crowd that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That is his message, the first sermon. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Peter's first sermon is extremely successful by most preacher standards, with over 3,000 folks that day getting baptized because of Peter's argument, Peter's eloquence, and Peter's conviction. And this morning, St. Luke records in an extremely understated manner the remainder of the lives, the rest of the lives of those 3,000 converts to Jesus Christ on Pentecost Day. St. Luke Recalls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So, from the day of their conversion, these 3,000 souls changed their lives and committed themselves to a particular worldview, a rhythm of life, and a manner of being. There are three points. Luke brings up to speak about this dramatic change in the baptized. The first thing we know that they did was to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, that might not sound all that life-altering, but I assure you it is. The apostles' teaching is a way of life. It is following as best we are able to follow the teachings of the apostles. Now, on the grand level, the most fundamental level, it is metaphysics. It is the relationship between God and his creation and God and mankind. And with the rising of Jesus from the dead, with Jesus being raised from the dead, this would have been and still is today a very dramatic shift in thinking. Living a life that has as its foundation and as something that informs everything we do, the resurrection of the body and God's kingdom come on earth changes things. It forces a person to look at life differently. 
No longer were those who were baptized that day free to view this world as anything else but belonging wholly to God. No longer were they view, free to view others as anything else but God's image. They had to see themselves as agents of God's love and mercy. They had to commit to loving and caring for others out of their love for God. They had to see in this world and in others something eternal and lasting, something beautiful. And death is being defeated and not the end. They also had to view the time they lived in as fleeting, as the end times, and not get caught up in storing up treasures on earth or concerning themselves with material things. A very hard thing to do. They had to live each day looking for the return of Jesus Christ and to wait with glory, I mean, wait with joy his coming. And on more local levels, these baptized had to live by the rules and norms of the apostolic teaching. They had to fast on prescribed days. They had to tithe. They had to commit to acts of charity and acts of mercy. They had to give themselves to the apostles' authority. The apostles gave instruction and teaching on everything, on how to solve disputes and conflicts, how to deal with others, and in ways that were and still are contrary to this world and the world around them and us. The teaching of the apostles was then a radical deviation from what they had known. It changed their lives dramatically. They committed themselves to fellowship as well. Now that word points to another dramatic and radical deviation from the lives with which they entered Jerusalem that day. Now, when we think of fellowship, especially us who were raised in the South, the first thing that comes to mind, or at least to my mind, is church potluck, right? But the word is much deeper and more meaningful and life-altering than eating fried chicken and green bean casserole with my fellow churchgoers. The word which St. Luke uses as fellowship is actually the Greek word koinonia. It's the same word, the same exact word we use when we speak of communion, holy communion. And in holy communion, we believe that we become one, unified, united with Jesus Christ. We are intimately united, bound with Christ in holy communion. So in that way, we share communion with the community of followers of Jesus Christ. We become one with our brothers and sisters in the church. We share intimately in their lives. We become unified as one being with others in the church. Fellowship. The reality of this communion, this fellowship, is that the people of the church become family, become part of you, an extension of your person and whom you are, your being. Your life becomes centered and grounded in the church, in the people that make up the church. It's a very radical shift. Next, St. Luke tells us they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which is probably the one that needs the least explanation this morning. That is to say, these newly baptized folks made as their highest priority, as center and central to their lives, participation in the Holy Eucharist. The Holy Eucharist for them was the foundation of everything else. This, for them, became the most important act in their lives, and one never to be missed. In the Holy Eucharist, they communed with Jesus, became one with him, were given the food of eternal life, and entered, if only for a brief time, the kingdom of God. It was an event they would not miss except for in case of death.
Finally, these baptized folks devoted themselves to the prayers. These baptized folks committed themselves to a life of prayer. Prayer throughout the day and throughout the night. Prayers for the church, for the world. Prayers for the dead, for the sick, for the poor and the oppressed. Prayers for salvation. They prayed while they worked. They prayed while they rested, while they slept. Their breath itself became a prayer. Life. Their life became a prayer. So then in that one verse, St. Luke shows how dramatic and life-changing their baptisms really were. And after that event on Pentecost so long ago, most everyone, I bet, of those 3,000 souls did what everybody else did who was on pilgrimage in Jerusalem. They went home. And as the years passed... These pilgrims continued what they began on that Pentecost day. Although some of them moved to new villages and cities. Some of them left their countries for new lands. Even though they might have moved to new towns and new cities. Even though life around them continued on. They were able to continue on in that devotion to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Now if during this sermon you were thinking to yourself... Heavens, that verse sounds awful familiar. Where have I heard that before? It's because it's said with every baptism. We commit ourselves to the same exact life as those earliest Christians committed to. We commit ourselves to viewing the world differently, to viewing others differently, of viewing everything as belonging to God, of viewing everything, everything, every person as belonging to God, of placing the church at the center of our lives, of prayer and Holy Communion. That's the vows we made in our examinations. And that this morning, ladies, is the message I want to give you. The message I want to give to you, who we honor today, to Claire and Emily and Elizabeth. In a matter of few weeks, ladies, you will begin a new life. You will, for the first time, be on your own. You'll be entering new lands and new challenges, as did those pilgrims. But even though you will go to different directions from one another, even though you'll be faced with new challenges, begin a new and independent life. If you keep the promise you made at your confirmations, if you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers, you will never be alone in this world. You will always have a community of Christians That will take you in and love you in the name of Jesus. You will never be alone. You will always have family. Your life will always have purpose and joy. You will always have Jesus. Take that message to heart, ladies. As you go through your life, you will be faced with challenges. You will be faced with trials and temptations. You will be faced with enormous and overwhelming amounts of change. In all those things, don't forget your baptisms. Don't forget the way of life you have committed to. For in this way of life, you have a rock-solid foundation. Shelter from the storm and everlasting life. Ladies, I pray your life is filled with joy and happiness, with success and with love and with friendships. I pray you find your true callings and vocations. I pray you live a long, joy-filled and satisfied, happy life. And as you search for true joy and happiness, for love and friendships, for this happy life, 
remember, know always where the happy life is to be found. In the teaching of the apostles, in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers. Emily, Leslie, and Claire, if you continue on in these things, I promise you, you will have all your heart's desire, and that for eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.